You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 13 in your Bibles, we started this chapter a few weeks ago, and I'm sorry we're just now getting back to it to finish it, but I want to review very quickly just so that we're we're caught up and we know where we are uh, in this chapter. We saw in Revelation 13, we saw number one, we saw the appearance of the Antichrist. It says in uh, Revelation 13 verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea. And um, this is the Apostle John who is standing there and probably overlooking the Mediterranean Sea. And he says, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard and his feet as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon, the dragon, who's the dragon? That's Satan, that's the devil. The dragon gave him his authority and his seat, uh, gave him power and his seat and great authority. So this beast in Revelation 13, this is the appearance of the Antichrist. Now, we don't know who the Antichrist is, let's just get that out there. And uh, if you think if you think you come to enough Bible studies that I'm going to announce the Antichrist is fill in the blank. Um, I don't know who it is and you don't know who it is. You see, I believe and this is this is my uh, my opinion. And I think I, I have Bible to back this up. But Satan does not know when Jesus is coming back. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour except for the father. And so because Satan does not know when Jesus is coming back, Satan does not know when the rapture is going to take place. I personally believe that Satan, he's got somebody ready or he's got somebody that he's thinking this is going to be the one. And and again, I don't have Bible for that, but I I do believe uh, that uh, when the rapture takes place, I believe things are already going to be put in motion. I think there's going to be somebody who may already be a, 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 a ruler. He may already be in leadership. He may already have some kind of power. But then Satan is going to empower that individual and Satan is going to fill that individual much like Satan filled Judas Iscariot. And that individual is going to be empowered by Satan Uh, to lead the world in an effort for world peace. Now think about right now. Think about how wonderful uh, of a response that person would have right now if he could truly bring peace to this world. Did you know this world is a mess? By the way, not just this world, our country is a mess. In my opinion, and I'm not that old, and some of you could say, oh, we've seen it a lot worse, and maybe you have. Uh, In my opinion, our country is more divided than I've seen it in in my lifetime. And and I know you say, well, what about the Civil War? And I understand. I'm just saying this. The world is longing for peace, and the Antichrist is going to come on the scene after the Christians have been raptured out of here, and after the Christians, the salt of the earth is gone, and that Antichrist is going to have a field day. And that Antichrist is going to be empowered by Satan to bring the nations of the world together uh, for seven years for that peace treaty. Of course, he'll make that treaty with Israel, and then he'll break that peace treaty halfway through uh, the seven-year uh, uh, period of time. But this, this Antichrist, it will come. The Bible says that he'll be a beast like unto a leopard, his feet as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. 
We talked about it a couple weeks ago in Daniel 7 that there were the, the empires of the uh, Babylon, there was the empire of uh, Medial Persia, and then there was the empire of Greece. After those empires came the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire came to power, and the Roman Empire was in power at the time of Jesus. Well, after Jesus was on this earth, and after his death, and burial, and resurrection, and ascension, the Roman Empire continued in power for a while, but eventually the Roman Empire really, really crumbled. They, nobody, nobody came and destroyed him from the outside. And so Daniel tells us that there will be, in the end times, there will be a, a revival and I'm not talking about preaching and soul winning and singing, but there will be a revival of the Roman Empire. They'll come back to power. And from the Roman Empire, there will come the Antichrist. And that Antichrist will come, and the description is given. He will have, uh, verse number uh, one, he will have seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So that's the appearance of the Antichrist. Number two, we saw the authority of the Antichrist. The, uh, the Antichrist gets his authority from Satan. But let me remind you, Satan has no power and no authority except that it has been granted by God. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 28, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And nobody does anything outside of the control and outside of the approval of God himself. We saw, number three, we saw the Antichrist, and we saw some names for the Antichrist. In Revelation and in Daniel, he's called the beast. Um, by the way, I, I think that's interesting, and the description is very hideous of this beast. But don't you love it? Where it says in Romans chapter 8, where Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, uh, nor any other creature shall separate you from the love of God. Doesn't matter how mean and how bad and how powerful the beast is, the Antichrist, the Antichrist cannot separate you, cannot separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah for that. But he is a beast. Uh, he, he is referred to as a beast. Uh, he is referred to as the man of sin. He is the son of perdition. Uh, he is referred to in 1 John as the Antichrist. He is called the little horn in Daniel 7. He's called the abomination of desolation. He is the prince that shall come. He is a king of fierce countenance and a king that will do according to his will. Uh, number four, we saw in this passage, verse number three, we saw the amazement. There is a deadly wound that is healed. In verse number three, it says, and all the world wondered after the beast. The world was wowed. The world was impressed. Whatever this deadly wound is, maybe the Antichrist, maybe they thought he was dead. Maybe they pronounced him dead and he gets back up. I don't know exactly what, but something miraculous happens. And the world is amazed. Isn't it interesting how that this world is looking for somebody to follow? Uh, I remember I was uh, in, uh, I guess I was in, I was out of college, but uh, Joanne and I, we were newly married, I guess, at the time. But I remember when uh, Barack Obama, I remember when he came on the scene. And I remember hearing people say, say, wow, he was so, he was young, he was charismatic, and, and people were looking for somebody to follow. Uh, I remember when uh, Donald Trump, I remember when he came on the scene. 
And there were a lot of people that were wowed by here is a, uh, here is a wealthy businessman. Here is uh, this person. And there, there were a lot of people that were wowed by that. Some people have been wowed by uh, the accomplishments of Elon Musk. Some people have been uh, wowed by, uh, by Bill Gates and all that he's done and all of the wealth he's accumulated. Well, friend, I want to tell you, none of those guys or any other person you can think of, no one else has done what this Antichrist is going to do. And he is going to wow this world. They will be amazed. Uh, number four. Number five, there's an announcement. It says in verse number five that this Antichrist will be given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Verse number six, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God uh, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. The announcement is that this, this Antichrist, he will blaspheme the name of God and everything that, uh, that, that God stands for. I believe in our nation. I believe we have already started to see, not a lot, but I think we've already started to see uh, an attack against God. Now, keep in mind, this is a nation that was founded upon God. This is a nation that was founded upon biblical principles. This is a nation that on every, every coin and currency, it says, in God we trust. We are, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, one nation under God. But we are a nation that is turning its back on God and not only turning its back, but turning an attack against the things of God. Just last week, there was a tragedy that took place in the state of Kentucky. I don't, I don't know all the facts and probably nobody knows all the facts yet, but it, it, it has been indicated that there was a, a church and a Christian school that was targeted. And that was intentional. That is, that's what the reports are. Well, maybe we'll find out differently. But I'll tell you this. Satan hates the work of God. Satan hates the church. I remember when I was in Geneseo, and uh, Joanna, I think this was before we were married, because I remember being in that old office in Geneseo. And I remember my dad, we, we had that old building. Dan, you remember that old building uh, where you go up the steps, and my dad's office was on the left, and I had a, I say I had an office on the right. It was a storage closet. And uh, when I was there for the summer, I kind of cleared out a spot. Had a, I, I'm telling you, I was high tech. I had a six-foot folding table, and I had a metal folding chair. And I'm telling you, I, I was big stuff there. But I remember I was in my office. I remember my dad, uh, one, oh, it was a Sunday morning, he said, Jeremy, come over here real quick. I went over to his office, and I could tell something, was, something was, was off. And he said, listen to this. And he pushed play on the answering machine. Now, how many of you know that's a long time ago, right? An answering machine. But uh, maybe it's not. Anybody still have an answering machine? Do you Whoa, we've got answering machines here. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, uh, it's been a long time since I've, can I come over and see one sometime? Would you mind if I just come in just to see it? And uh, then we'll call the Smithsonian. No, 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 we won't do that. But we, my dad pushed play on that answering machine and I'm t I, I don't get, I, I don't really get into all this spooky stuff. I try to stay away from it, but I'm telling you, it was hideous sounding. If it was not demonic, then somebody sure did a good job of pretending to be that. But there was a voice that was a high pitch, just a uh, send chills down your spine. And, and, and the voice was threatening to burn down the church. 
Now, again, we, they, my dad took it to the police, that, that tape and whatever, and nothing ever came of it. Who knows, you know, back in those days. But it was at a time when churches had been burned and there was just kind of a little bit of that. And maybe it was some kids playing around. I don't know. But I know this. During the tribulation period, there is going to be an all-out attack against the church, against the Bible. There's going to be an all-out attack against God. And the closer we get to the return of Christ, I think we're going to see more and more of, a, of an attack against the things of God. How come? Because the devil knows he's got a short time. The devil knows his days are numbered. And the devil is not backing off. Satan is throwing the fiery darts that he has against the people of God. He is on the attack. We saw it, number six, the attacks. He was given power to make war with the saints. He was given that power and he was given that uh, ability uh, to, to attack and to fight. We saw in verse number eight, we saw the word all. Number seven is the, is the, for the outline, all. We see that all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then number eight, we see in verse number nine, we see that there is attention that is required. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Did you know that Revelation 13 was not written about us, but it's written for us. It's written for us to learn from. It's written for us to pay attention. It's written for us to, to take the truth and to apply it and to say, hey, we better pay attention. It doesn't say uh, uh, that this is the Spirit speaking now to the churches because the church has already been raptured out from Revelation 2 and 3 and then chapter 4, the voice that says, come up hither. But now the, the warning is given, if any man hear, let him hear. Verse number 10, we see um, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed by the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. This is where we're, we're picking up from a few weeks ago. I want to give you the word uh, number 10. It's the word, uh, excuse me, the word number 9 is the word accountability. We see a principle here in verse number 10 that he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. You know what that's called? We call that the law of sowing and reaping. And friend, I want to tell you, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You want to be critical and you want to be divisive and you want to be angry and you want to be bitter and you want to do all this stuff. I just want to tell you something. You better watch out because you reap what you sow. And we see this principle here. There is an accountability. Second Corinthians chapter five, the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this passage uh, says uh, that there will be an accountability. There will be a judgment. God will judge. You say, but what about what this person did? And what about what this person said? And what about what's going on over here? Friend, I don't know about all that. But I know this. There is a God in heaven who is going to judge and he will take care of the score. You don't have to keep score. You don't have to keep track. You say, well, you know, this is the, this is the ninth time that somebody... No, 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 no. Friend, if you're going to do that, you're going to have a long and miserable life. <laughs> And if you're only at nine, wow, you're doing really good. 
Peter said, how often shall I forgive my brothers? Till seven times? And Jesus said, no, how about 70 times seven? And if you keep track of 490 times, then you've got other problems. I want to tell you this, there's accountability. Number nine, number 10, there's an attitude. These saints during the tribulation will face persecution like this world has never known. Now, keep in mind that the Christians will be raptured out at the time of the start of the tribulation. The rapture takes place. But keep in mind, during the tribulation, there will be people saved. Remember the 144,000 Jewish witnesses that will be preaching the gospel. Uh, keep in mind the two witnesses that will come and will preach with power. And many will come to Christ. Not everybody, but many will come to Christ. But they will come to Christ at a cost. And they will refuse to take the mark of the beast and they will be persecuted and many will be killed and many will be tortured for their faith. And so here's what it says in verse number 10. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. You say, what? Well, what is the faith of the saints? What is the patience of the saints? It is this, that God is in control that God will judge, that God will take care of everything. You don't have to worry about it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. I want you to hold your place in Revelation 13, please, and turn back with me to Hebrews chapter 10. The word patience. First of all, most of us don't even like that word. That's a bad word to some of us, right? Patience, who wants that? Because when we think of patience, we often think about waiting. Have you, ever, have you ever waited um, in a waiting room? Have you ever waited for what seemed like an eternity? And, and you're nervous already about whatever it is. Maybe it's a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment or whatever it is. And, and you're waiting and you're waiting. And you're thinking, this is crazy. Why am I having to wait so long? Well, sometimes as Christians, that's what we think patience is. Like, you know, you have a prayer request and then God makes you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And you're, that's not really what waiting is. Waiting is not, I'm so miserable and I just, oh, no, no, no. Here's what waiting is. Patience in this passage is defined as endurance and steadfastly waiting. Now, here's what that means. That means that while you're waiting on God, you're still serving God. And while you're waiting on God, you're still faithful to God. And while you're waiting on God, you're still trusting God. Waiting on God is not sitting around twiddling your thumbs. Waiting on God is you keep praying and you keep going to church and you keep reading your Bible and you keep serving and you keep giving and you keep sacrificing and you keep surrendering and you keep doing what you know you're supposed to do even when it seems like it's not working out. Patience is, I believe God's in control. I believe God's going to take care of it. I'll do my part, and I'm going to let God do the rest. That is what patience is. Notice Hebrews chapter 10. I love this. Verse number 35, cast not away, therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Uh, maybe there have been, some, maybe some of you tonight, maybe that's your problem. Maybe that's our problem. Maybe we've had a confidence and a trust and, and a hope in God and we have thrown it out the window. Well, it's time to climb out the window and get it back. It's time to go outside and retrieve your faith and trust and say, I'm hanging on to this. I've got confidence in God. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, 
which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of, what's that word? Oh, that's us. We have need of patience. We're lacking in that category, most of us, if we're honest. Ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Notice verse 37. How do you, how do you maintain that steadfast waiting on God? Verse 37 says, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now this is it right here. You say, Pastor, how do we have patience in the Christian life? How do we keep on serving? How do we keep on trusting? How do we keep on uh, uh, staying faithful to God over and over and over again, even when we don't see the results? Here's how. Because we know that he that will come, Jesus Christ who will come, he's coming and he's coming soon. Now, here's what Hebrews 10 says. It says a little while. Now, you understand this was written about 2,000 years ago. And if they could say it, if Paul could say it 2,000 years ago under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just a little while. It is so close. It is so soon that Jesus is coming back. How much closer must it be tonight? I mean, I don't know. And I'm not, put, I'm not giving you a date. I'm not giving you time. I just believe this. I just believe it is close. I believe Jesus could come back tonight. Just a little while. That's the amount of time. I love what it says in, um, I'll think of it here in a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible says, for your light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know what the Bible says? We don't have a lot of time. And the truth is, we really don't have a lot of trouble compared to the eternal reward that is coming for God's people. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I feel like I got a lot on me. Well, you, maybe you do. But compared to the, the, the rewards of heaven, compared to what God has in store for you and me at the judgment seat of Christ, you and I, we don't have too much. God will give us grace. He'll give us strength. And it's not going to be very long. Just a little while. James chapter 5, the Bible says, Be also patient and establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. That ought to be our attitude. Can I ask you tonight, would you say that's your attitude? Are you patiently waiting? Are you patiently serving? Are you patiently trusting God with whatever you're going through tonight? I'll be honest with you, sometimes that's not my attitude. Sometimes my attitude is, I'm in a hurry. I want God to do something right now. As a matter of fact, I don't even want it now. I wanted it yesterday. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else like that? If we're honest, I think that's the way we are. But the attitude for the child of God should be of patience. That's what is, is, is given to the tribulation saints. And that is the patience of the saints is that Jesus Christ is coming. To settle the score. And by the way, we get to Revelation 19, and he does come back, and he does settle the score once and for all. That's the attitude. Number 10, quickly, I see. Number 11, I see there's an adoration. The Bible says in verse number 11, And I beheld another beast 
coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and he causeth the earth and them to which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So we see the appearance of the first beast, that's the Antichrist. Now we see an appearance of a second beast. You say, who in the world is this? This is the false prophet. This is the one that will come on the scene and he will unite the religions of the world and he will unite the people of the world to worship the beast. Now, friend, I want to tell you something. That is a sad day. When the world gathers around and they have rejected Jesus and they're willing to worship an antichrist, that is a sad day. But we're almost there. We live in a society that will worship everybody and everything except the one who is worthy of worship. We, we live in a society that if it's a great singer, if it's a great athlete, or if it's a, a great actor, great movie star, if it's a really rich person, I mean, we will, we, will, we will flock to that person. We will hang on their every word. Have you listened to an interview lately from a Hollywood star or a sports star? Oh, my. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. And I'm not kidding. I mean, to do it sometime just for fun. And you're thinking, that's the person that I'm so wrapped up in? That's the person I'm following? They can't even get their own life straight. And you're going to follow them? But we see during the tribulation that the people will worship the Antichrist at the direction of the second beast, who is the false prophet. We see now that there is the, the trinity, the, the mock trinity is what it is, of Satan, who is the dragon, the beast, who is the Antichrist, and the second beast, who is the false prophet. And everything that God does, Satan tries to imitate, and he likes to produce a counterfeit to everything that is real. And that's exactly what Satan will do. So there's an adoration, not an adoration to worship God, but an adoration to worship the Antichrist. And the false prophet will deceive with miracles. He'll even call fire down from heaven. I see number 12, I see his agenda. His agenda is to push people to worship the Antichrist. And uh, there will be an image that will be set up of the Antichrist. Now, I don't know if it's made of gold. I don't know if it's made of wood. I don't know what it is. But maybe it's similar to Nebuchadnezzar's image in Daniel chapter 3. Remember that where he set up a, a statue of gold, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. And he said, what, what time you hear the sound of the music, you will bow down and worship. And if you don't bow down and worship, you will be killed. And that's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's why they were thrown into a fiery furnace, because they would not bow down. But we see that this false prophet leads in the worship of the Antichrist. And there is uh, verse number uh, 15. Notice this. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. 
Now, I don't know what this is, but somehow there's going to be a, an image, an idol that is going to be set up, and that image is going to be given the power to speak and perhaps even to come alive. I, again, I don't understand all that. But you know, technology today is not that far away. I don't know if you've seen any of this uh, artificial intelligence, and I don't know if you've seen any of the, the robots that, that, that have been made already. It's unbelievable the technology's there. And can I tell you something? This Antichrist and this false prophet empowered by Satan, they will cause people to worship, not God, but to worship the Antichrist. In verse number uh, 16, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast. And here is the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that under, hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 600, three score and six. 666. And we see the mark of the beast will be required to buy and to sell. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, you won't eat. You won't be able to buy anything. You won't be able to sell anything. You won't be able to work. You won't be able to live. And so we see all of that that will take place during the tribulation period. I'm going to close with this, and I'm done. Number 13 in this chapter. That's a lot of points for one chapter. But number 13 is the answer. What's the answer? What's the answer during the tribulation? Well, the answer is to turn to Jesus. And what's the answer today? The answer is to turn to Jesus. Go back with me, if you would, and look at verse number eight. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, that's the Antichrist, whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What's the answer? The answer is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Make sure that your name is in the book of life. Make sure that Jesus Christ is your savior. You don't get saved by going to church. You don't get saved by getting baptized. You don't get saved by being a good person. You, if you could get saved by all those things, Jesus didn't have to die. The lamb did not have to be slain if you could be saved by works. But the lamb had to be slain because he is the answer. He is the only way to be saved. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.